I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome back to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly Sex and the City podcast where we examine the timeless questions of Carrie Bradshaw and apply them to modern life and love. You are listening to Raw, Dylan B. Jones and Juno Dawson, 118 Degrees. Hi Dylan. Hi Juno. I did enjoy when, because I always think of, look, look out for screen grabs to put on our Instagram and I loved when mm-hmm. um, there was a shot of when Samantha is at Raw and it's just her eyebrow <laughs> raised over an open menu that just says raw on it. And I was like, that's going to go on, go on her Instagram. Raw. <laughs> I am I am always served at more than 118 degrees. Um, <laughs> oh, we have so much to discuss this week. Um, but how are you? How are you, Dylan? I'm good. I'm good. Um, things are a bit, the weather's a bit warmer now. Although I'm fully, it could be a snowstorm next week or 30 degrees. It know? could. I'm going to say it's, but I think, do you know what? Somebody the other day posted on Instagram that around any day now, the sun will be setting at 5pm, yeah, which not 4pm. That's really nice. Yeah. I'm fully here for that. Really nice. Um, hurrah, spring! Spring is here again! Um, um, this was a... I had party. Fun. I had fun with this episode. It was a fun episode. I had a lot of fun with this episode. <laughs> now, I will say, for me, the beginning of season six is a little bit slow to start. Yes. And... And I'm sure we will revisit this whinge as we move through the series. It's a very long season, um, which is, again, part of the reason why we're going to snap it in two. Yeah. Um, so inevitably, there are some episodes which are... None of them are shit, but le- perhaps some of them are less iconic. Um, I'm just looking up how long... Yeah, it's 20 episodes long. So it is the mm-hmm. longest the season. The longest season, yeah. yeah. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this was a timeless favourite, um, but... <laughs> You know, I I've, I just sat and watched it with my husband and we both chortled in places. And um, so before we get into it, Dylan, um, do you have a pot of raw synopsis for us? <laughs> I have a, what was it? A key lime custard pot of synopsis. Mm. Um, I love how they made the dishes. taste of lawn. <laughs> they made the dishes like deliberate. They were like, what are the most disgusting things we can think of? Um, so... Yeah, so Carrie and Berger are struggling because they are great everywhere but the bedroom. They they find mm-hmm. out. Um, so it's about them na- navigating that. Um, Miranda is doing SponCon for TiVo, um, which <laughs> so much. Which actually is like I wasn't I wasn't mad at to be honest, but we'll we'll talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. Samantha, we meet Smith Jared, 
who turns out Jerry Jared. Jerry Jared. Oh yes, yes, and she she christens him Smith Jared later. Mm -hmm. Jerry Jared, who works at the restaurant Raw, and we continue to follow Charlotte in her um, conversion to Judaism. Of course. Yeah. Um. Let's, as ever, start off with with Carrie. Um. God damn, I hate burger so much. <laughs> <laughs> but but I also really hated the line. The only thing better than the first bite of a burger is a great day. Is the first <laughs> with someone like the what burger? <laughs> it was at this I point. Mean, I mean, you know, you oh, know, they a love reach. a pun. They love a pun, and it was mm. at this point that they were just like, let's just make puns about everything. Like when they were in Bed Bath and Beyond, he was like, wait until we go to. The bed section. It's just like, oh. what's happening? Um, the thing is, what what annoyed me is no one in the history of the world has ever said, God, things which are good, things which are good. I know, I've got it. The first bite of a hamburger. No, yeah. No said, said no that. one ever. Like, a hamburger <laughs> is like a very kind of staple thing. Like, you might say, like, the first bite of a amazing chocolate or something, but you wouldn't say a hamburger. And it's just so obvious. I don't know. <laughs> Do you know, as a, as, a, as a side, as a little side thing, I left London when they opened the restaurant Bubble Dog, oh, which yeah. was gross hot dogs served with champagne. I cannot, <laughs> I can't get excited about greasy junk food yeah. as a genre. And that was when I left London, when all the real restaurants were closing down to be replaced by gourmet burger places. And not gourmet <laughs> burger kitchen. This is not Sponcom for gourmet burger kitchen. But, you know, like, kind of like... Um, oh, like, like... They were just springing all over London, like Honest Burger and... Yeah, and, like, everywhere. Um, that place called The Diner. That's like a London yeah, chain. Yeah, meat, meat liquor. Meat liquor. I think with that, their misogynist toilets. I, yeah. think, I think that bubble has slightly burst now. I think now it's all about... I think oh, people are a bit more yeah. switched on now when it comes to food. People have people mm -hmm. learned a lot about food in lockdown, I think. So now people are a bit more discerning. There's lots of like... I just, um, yeah. Now there, was, there was a brief window there when people got very excited about burgers. Yeah. And it was just... Just fucking shit piled between two bits of bread, and you charge and, and like, you're charged fifteen quid for the privilege. Yeah, <laughs> in the meatpacking district last week. Yeah, twenty dollars for a burger. Oh, yeah. that's, reasonable. that's reasonable. Yeah. Oh, the worst is fucking charcoal bun. But no, I don't want my burger in a charcoal bun. I know you want me to put it on Instagram, but uh, no. <laughs> so no. So there are many things better than the first bite of a really great burger, <laughs> including first time sex. Um, which Carrie and Burger, and that was that was the bit Max and I were laughing at, which was the the blood curdling sex scene with Burger rhythmically sort of sliding Silently. up and down and Carrie like some sort of loom, and then Carrie and then Carrie just sort of does a pat, does a sort of like purses her lips a bit. It's just so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's so great. Like I know I always say it, but Sarah Jessica Parker is just so good at the awkward humor. Um, mm -hmm. so good. Um, and then she puts it to the ladies. And what I love is when they're out having drinks. Oh no, they're out like waiting for the table at Raw. Mm -hmm. And Carrie like pointedly yawns and makes sure everyone sees her yawning. And they're all like, oh, you, what was happening? And she's like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> which is <laughs> Don't so... look at me, I'm shy. Yeah, which is so Carrie. Um, but then of course mm. she, she fills them in on it. <laughs> yeah, and it is tough. I mean... Let's just get into it. Um, bad sex. Mm. 
Now this this is this is you know we've gone six seasons in which Carrie, other than the jackhammer, the guy who <laughs> physically wounded her on the eve of. Oh no, we've not got to that yet. No, we haven't. That's this season. That is yet to come. Yeah. So God, and Carrie's Sam... having so much bad sex that sex this year. But so actually, oh my God, I'm lost in the time war of <laughs> Sex and the City. But so within up until this point, Carrie has mostly had good sex. Yeah. Which leads us to think that Carrie, thank God, as a sex columnist, can at least, um, you know, get herself off. Although she does, <laughs> she does say, worryingly, that you know, you know, she said in the past that she can only come if it's someone she really likes. Yeah. Because Samantha tells her she needs to get that looked at. Yeah. And this time she tells Miranda that if it if it's a man she likes, she can always come. Um. Mm. Which is very Caroline Bradshaw, isn't it? <laughs> Which is, you know, actually your orgasm is activated from love, not yes. from from anything else. It's cerebral. It's because she's cerebral, you know, and it's all it's she all tied is, together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's a sex columnist, but she would only have sex with someone she was in love with. Yeah. Um, but um, so she is surprised that Burger isn't getting her off because they have such wild sexual chemistry in restaurants and in Bed Bath and Beyond. However, do you think Carrie's body knows on some level that burger is gross? <laughs> um, I'm, well, I noticed some I noticed some post-it foreshadowing. Did you notice that? <gasps> yes, he has the post-its in bed. I bet he was writing those to his most recent ex. Yeah, he was just writing. He has a pile of, sorry, I can't, don't hate me. Just all just around, ready to go. All around his laptop, ready to give to mm-hmm. people. Um, yeah, I don't know, bad sex. I mean, I, I thought it was, the portrayal of it was quite accurate. Um, cause mm-hmm. I have had, I th- I'm sure we all have, I'm sure all sexually active people have had bad sex. Um. I never have. I th- <laughs> it's not possible. <laughs> but you're very. I, because I invented it. I invented yeah. sex. So, you know, it's like Mary Berry doesn't get cake wrong. <laughs> like, um. no, um, of course, of course I have had shit sex. And neither you or Mary Berry ever get soggy bottoms. (laughs) (laughs) Again, as Carrie says, that was uncalled for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it is the silence. Like, and Mm -hmm. and this is, I I have had exactly this experience with a guy who I dated for a while, ages ago when I was like, I think 18 or 19. And... We were so good, like, we were, as Burger says, we were the couple you wanted to be, like, at parties and restaurants and stuff, and then Mm -hmm. it just didn't work. And I'm a bit more cynical than the ladies, even than Samantha. I think that kind of, maybe not always, but a lot of the time, there's nothing, if it's not good the first time, like, maybe give it a couple more chances, but, like, usually, if the chemistry's not there, it's just not there. What do you think? Do you think that's too... Cynical. No, I, I think you. I, I, I think as Samantha notably says, quotably forever, um, fuck me, fuck me badly once, shame on you. Fuck me badly twice, shame on me. Yeah. And I think you'd always give somebody a couple of goes, because I think I think Carrie's absolutely right. I think the first time is not representative of what it what it's going to be like in the long run once you've really gotten to know someone. Yeah. But I think if it's fundamentally a mismatch, you would know after two or three times. Mm. There was one, the one that always, well, there's two that really, really stick in my mind. One was a guy that I was quite seriously dating and it just didn't work. 
and I, I'm going to say, oh, just bad, weird vibes, in that I think he was really nervous, so I was really nervous, and then yeah. it just spiralled. Um, very, very weird. And then the other one was a guy that I really, really fancied, and I got really excited about him. Um, but he just had no soul. He was, you know, he was... I, think, I might have talked about... <gasps> <laughs> I think possibly I did mention Is the man it? with no soul. The, guy, the TV the producer. TV did I talk about yeah, the TV producer before? Yeah. Ages ago, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And so, I mean, and that was the only time somebody has stopped Burgerstown. He said, this just isn't working, is it? And I was really crushed oh. because I was like, but I'm good at this. Like, <laughs> I, you know, and so so I, I must admit, I came away from that session thinking, I think it might be you. Do you think that's your caveat, um, though? So Carrie's caveat is that she has to like really like them and your only caveat is they have to at the very least have a soul for you to enjoy sex with them <laughs> my bare minimum the stick is on the floor i mean but um that is the bare but, minimum that is kind of, but um they i would like them to have a soul and i i think what i've learned so from the first guy when and i was quite young i'd only just moved to brighton i think what i've learned now is you know if you fancy someone. Oh, yeah. And and actually, in that instance, I just think possibly we didn't really fancy each other. Mm. I think it was one of those where we both really liked the idea of each other. Mm. But it wasn't so much about the throwdown, as Carrie says, as so much as the, the zazazoo, as she has said. So that's interesting because so Carrie, to use her crazy vocabulary, she does have the zazazoo with burger, but they don't seem to have the throwdown, which feels like almost like a practical consideration, mm. which is that I guess you just have to compliment each other, I think, more than anything. You know, I, I don't think I wouldn't be saying to people out there that, you know, we shall be rehearsing our moves. You know, it's not strictly come dancing. Um, and I think that doesn't work either. Like, again, it comes back to like, no matter how much you rehearse it, and in some ways that could make it feel even more staged and even more awkward if yeah. you're like, oh, and then we need to do this. Like, if you if you have to try and push it that hard, like, I don't think it's going to work, to be honest. Well, that's what Carrie does wrong later in the episode. And so I can see why she thinks buying marabou pumps... <laughs> And sort of sort of sexy lingerie. I can see why she would think La Perla would be able to save the day. Uh -huh. um, but I did. I loved Carrie acting sexy because we've all yes. done it, and there is nothing sexier than acting sexy. When she was because it was true. It was true of Samantha later on in the restaurant as well, which is. <laughs> It's so transparent. Um, yeah, I loved it when Carrie and Berger are in the and this is towards the end of the episode, isn't it? Mm -hmm. When she's get when they're both getting drunk, and she like sort of shimmies her boobs down towards the table. She plops them on yeah. the table. Yeah, get a load like, of these. And then when they go back, when they're back at hers, I you have said previously that SJP loved Abfab. Um, it mm -hmm. was very, very reminiscent of a scene in Abfab where Eddie sleeps with her gardener um <laughs> who's played by helena bonham carter's brother weirdly who's Ooh. in that episode and nothing else um and she gets too stoned and like falls over and like hoiks her skirt up like exactly it's almost exactly some of it frame for frame um so it was really interesting and i what happened to watch that episode of abfab the other day so it was really interesting to see that 
Um, oh, I need to go back and watch that. I don't mm, remember that. Mm. But yes, we know, we know. So yes, Sarah Jessica Parker loves Jennifer Saunders. Yeah. So that fits. Um, I loved it. I loved her not being able to get the skirt off, so she lifts it. Like some <laughs> like, creepy and flasher she's, like, lady. like fiddling with the zip. <laughs> she's like, I got something to show you. <laughs> She she kicks a shoe in Burger's face. Oh, it's it's good, good stuff. It's great. But yes, no, it's it's difficult. You can't make yourself sexy. I really, I I just think, yeah, people are either going to find you sexy or they're not. Yeah, I think Carrie, what she does need to get over as a sex columnist <laughs> is her displeasure at talking dirty. Yes, because. You know, so she was really putting all her chips on the idea that Berger is like a visual learner. He is somebody who's very visually stimulated. Whereas I think some people are more audio based, you know, and like to hear some, doesn't need to be pure filth, but just a bit of suggestive chat. Yeah. A bit of just wait till I get you home level stuff, kind of. And I like to think that we're perhaps moving away now from like, the it's very like paint by numbers what turns men on is sexy shoes and sexy lingerie um i don't know i mean i'm sure that does turn some straight men on um but it's a whole spectrum, well we've had 25 years of broadband now so i'm not <laughs> sure a marabou trim pump is gonna do it anymore you've got men watching women eat shit out of a cup or whatever that video was what was it two girls one cup girls, you know i think cup. i think it's well, the world, the internet broadband has damaged the world now, and and I think actually the idea of of wearing a marabou pump, it's very quaint, isn't quite it? on the same level as <laughs> watch watch a woman shove a squid inside her mimsy or some whatever ridiculous nonsense you can get on the internet kind of sort of tentacle porn or some shit. I don't know. So yes, yeah, so, I mean I don't know. I but I think. I don't I mean, gosh, now there's a question. What turns humans on? An infinite, infinite question. Yeah, and it's, do... and it's, um, and it changes as well. For me anyway, mm -hmm. it's situational. It's, uh, depends on anything from like how much energy I have to what I've been watching on TV that day, who the other person is. Like it's so, and that's, I think that's what I was trying to say actually about the Marabou pumps. Like you can't just, Samantha's advice was bad in that she was like, oh honey, like get this sexy underwear and these Marabou pumps and it'll be fine. Like, no, that's not a comprehensive enough answer. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I think it is, it's crushing when when you've met someone that you think could really be something and then the sex is shit. Yeah, it is. You know, and and there's, there, you know, there's probably a lot more than those two that I've forgotten because to be honest, I probably did end things because of that. Mm. I'm sure I did when I was dating, kind of. Because especially when I was in my 20s and I wasn't ready to sort of make compromises of any sort to be perfectly honest sex was way too big a compromise for me mm. um and so but again i'm not going to apologize for that because i was in my 20s and that's what you're meant to do in your 20s i think <laughs> yeah. shop around um so i i did yeah 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 mm. and also like it's not the um it certainly shouldn't be the absolute clincher i don't think no but it's also is important if you're if you're both sexual people um it's kind of yeah. a essential really component to a relationship 
Um, you could, it's it's unavoidable, and we've said this before on the podcast, which is even if you're in a relationship with someone who's asexual, if you're both asexual, there is still a conversation to be had about being asexual. Mm. The topic of sex is unavoidable, whether you're having sex or not. Mm. And, um, yeah, and yeah. so you'd be, I think, very naive to think that sex isn't going to factor into your relationship regardless of the sort of the terms and conditions of your individual relationship. And I, I fully agree. I think Carrie is right in that she does tell someone that I think we're getting a bit old to jump for the dump. Mm. And actually, as I went through my 30s, sex became less of a consideration as I realised having had a lot of sex that actually, you know, it's much it's much of a muchness really isn't it no mm. nobody has invented a new way of doing sex <laughs> since humans were created you know so it's like nothing nothing is going to shock me anymore I, I put the squid inside my body and it's there now you know so it's kind of so then it, as I moved from my 30s other things became more important yeah so I can see why Carrie wants to persist with burger especially if she thinks I think it's been a long time since Carrie has felt this way. And so I think she's willing to kind of explore. And I think that's the right thing for her to do. And sure enough, maybe it was just in the end, it was a really simple answer. Burger likes morning sex. Maybe, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which, as we know from this podcast, I do not. I'm fully against morning sex. Yeah, this podcast it's is um, against morning anti, sex. Anti-morning sex. That's the hill that I'm, we're going to die on. <laughs> groggy, horrible. Smelly I breath. I want a cup of coffee. Smelly <laughs> breath. The day is beginning and I want to see what the day has to offer. Not afternoon. I think I said before, afternoon is the sweet spot for me. <laughs> I do. Okay, I'm going to... Having just literally been on a rant. Past 11 o'clock Yeah Is I would consider I would take applications Past 11 o'clock Yeah In fact maybe 11 o'clock Is perfect Because you've had mm. Your breakfast Already mm-hmm. You've had time To kind of Get yourself well, we, Anyway um, <laughs> Should we Have anyway, a break <laughs> And we do So we need when we, when we come back We've got to think about A really difficult question Which is going to be Really hard to answer Which is Why is it always something Um Yeah That's a really generic question, Carrie, thanks. (laughs) And we'll speak to you in a couple of minutes. Bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello. Welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. We are on season six, episode two, Great Sexpectations. I don't think we said that yet. No. And we've already dealt with Carrie and Berger's shit sex. Yeah. Um, but Carrie this week asks the question, why is it always something? Why is it always something? So she prefaces the question by saying, if it's not the sex between me and you, then someone has to become a Jew. <laughs> why is it always something? Um, so is she saying... Like, uh, it's about is it about compromise? I guess. I think, as Romeo and Juliet said, the course of true love never did run smooth. Yeah, and I think the point that Carrie's making is that wouldn't it be nice if you could just meet someone and there wasn't a ridiculous obstacle? Mm. And I think after six years of Sex in the City, there's almost something quite knowing about Carrie acknowledging. The necessary narrative obstacle yeah. And you know Of course there's always been an obstacle Whether it's Big's inability to commit Aiden's Aiden's over keenness To commit Berger turns out to be psychotic Yeah Harry turns out to be Jewish um, And so I suppose that's the point she's getting at Which is why 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 does why does there always have to be An obstacle yeah. is how I read it Um and yet for Carrie and Berger, it was, everything was going fine until it came to sex. And for Charlotte and Harry, surprisingly, everything was going swimmingly until Harry drops the bomb that he can only get serious with a woman who is Jewish. Yeah. But then mm. I, so I was, um, firstly, I liked this storyline this week um, between Charlotte and Harry. But mm-hmm. I also do not know enough about Jewish culture to know how accurate and or offensive the references and betrayals of Jewish culture were. So if we have any Jewish listeners, I'd love to hear from them. Absolutely. The DMs are wide open. We're, 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 Dylan and I, <laughs> we, obviously we, we started recording just after Christmas. So we're in a bit of a post Christmas slump, but we are, we're, we're starting to round up our guests yes. for season six. And we, we will be speaking to some of our Jewish pals to see if they would like to come on and screen Charlotte's conversion to Judaism for accuracy and offensiveness. Um, because you're right, neither was a Jewish. So yeah. I don't know if it's accurate or sensitive if i'm honest i think the conversation that we need that i'd be really interested to have is almost not so much about judaism but about media portrayal of judaism which is it's kind of presented even at this episode obviously we've got that music which starts the second oh yeah 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 on screen you know it feels like they're almost presenting the jewish faith as something with a with a heavy dose of mysticism yes and I think, you know, when we were in a Catholic church um, last season for Brady's um, baptism, um, there wasn't that sense of, like, slight um, 
almost supernatural overtures, mm. kind of like Charlotte's entering something ancient and bewitching. Mystical, yeah. It's interesting. Um, you're so right. And it reminds me of, um, I've been rewatching Homeland recently. And literally, like, whenever Claire Dane steps into a mosque, that, like, the sitter of, I'm not sure what instrument it is, but you know the instrument, like, that Hollywood like loves. Like the, the minuet, almost like the morning call to prayer yes, starts to happen. that yeah. Hollywood loves mm-hmm. to use, or, like, TV shows loves to use, like, as soon as someone's in the Middle East or in a, in a mosque, there's that, there's that, like, and it always has like, sort of a slightly ominous minor key to it as well. Um, it feels like the Jewish faith is being very othered. Mm. I think there's a real sense of othering Which, around Jewishness. And I imagine in New York, like, it's not particularly mysterious. Like, surely no, my God. knows about And Jewish lest culture. we forget, Charlotte shagged a Hasidic Jew on the floor of his studio. Yes. This is not Charlotte's first Jewish boyfriend. It's so not. it's kind of, this is, this should not be surprising. But it's interesting as well to reframe Charlotte's conversion in um through a modern lens of we are i strongly suspect although again we need to run this past one of our jewish friends is now feels more anti-semitic than 2003 when this episode aired or is it or is it just that we're now having a conversation about anti-semitism in a way that we i don't think we were in mm. 2003 especially post 9 11 where mm. the conversation was very much on islamophobia so i wonder if from a cultural standpoint now, and it's interesting, it'll be interesting to see if I'm just like that picks up on this as well. If, if we are living in more troubled times for the Jewish faith, mm. um, more to come. And like I said, please to our listeners who are Jewish, please let us know what you think. Cause you'll be no doubt very familiar with the Charlotte plotline. And obviously it's going to run and run for the next sort of seven or eight weeks. So we've got plenty of time to discuss it. I really loved um, Charlotte, um, and it was so Charlotte, like, when she went to the um, synagogue <laughs> and spoke to them, was he like a, like, just someone who worked Like a janitor there, or something, yeah. yeah. And she was like, shalom. Shalom. <laughs> and then at the end, like, saying amen at the end of the, like, at the <laughs> dinner that they were having. I, the I, Shabbat dinner, yeah. Yeah, the Shabbat dinner. And as well, do you know, it's so funny, because at the moment I'm watching season three of Emily in Paris. Yeah. And the parallels between Emily Cooper, as played by Lily Collins, and... Charlotte York as played by Kristen Davis really uncanny just that sense of wide-eyed kind of sweet but kind of means it so you can't be mad at them <laughs> like you can't be mad at Charlotte for thinking this is what I do now I'm Jewish I am um, someone someone said something there's a, a tv podcast that I listen to where they just talk about like new releases and stuff um and one of the presenters asked the other one, who's a big fan of Emily in Paris, he asked her if she could sum it up in one word and she said, evil. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, it's evil and I love it. (laughs) The hold that show has on me, and again, I'm sure if you're a Sex and the City fan, it's a Darren Star created show. It's like Sex and the City, in fact, it's quite like season six in that (laughs) both feet have completely left reality You know, Emily Cooper is living in a version of Paris even more ridiculous than Carrie Bradshaw's version of Manhattan. No poverty, no people of colour, no depression, no sweary traffic jams, nothing. (laughs) Just a strange Disneyland version of a city. Um, 
no social housing anywhere in sight. Everyone lives in a beautiful old historical building. <laughs> just with insanity. But um, not I, a banlieu in sight. <laughs> just sort of like there's something about sort of Charlotte's kind of wide-eyed sort of innocence that's very Emily in Paris. Uh, Emily in Paris, to give it its proper <laughs> title. Um, that's really what it's meant to be called. You're meant to pronounce it Emily in Paris. Ugh, all right. It's not <laughs> um, So, yes, I love I love her crashing the Shabbat dinner and then trying to get out of it to go meet Harry. Yeah. I'm sorry, I've Like, planned. oh, I actually have to go, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I thought... drop off the wine. I thought the other ladies were, like, a bit shitty when she told them. Like, um... I feel like they weren't supportive enough. Like, Charlotte was like... That's what Max said. Yeah, Max was like, this is very strange. Like, are they making fun of her? Yeah. And the way I read that scene was that Charlotte's made it into this really big thing. And Mm. to them, it's just like... Well, they're like, whatever. Okay. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, maybe. That's how I interpreted that scene, which is for Charlotte, this is a huge deal. Um, Whereas for Carrie, it's just like... Yeah. What, sure. You know, last year Samantha was a lesbian for three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> like we don't judge here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I did. I did love it. I think um, it does. The, the conversion star storyline does go on for weeks and weeks. Mm. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if if we are looking if this is classic woke Charlotte territory of are we looking at cultural appropriation? But I do wonder. I think this episode. Maybe not so much latter episodes, but this episode, it seems to acknowledge that Charlotte is a Jenny come lately in that she she fully expects that she can just waltz into a faith mm. that she hasn't been raised a part of. Yeah. And again, I'm sure as we go on, we can talk about Judaism as an ethno faith, an ethno culture, which goes beyond just being like a religion. Um. So anyway, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I think which is my favourite plot line. I've just been dying to get to this bit, which is which is Samantha and Raw. Um which we say we'll save Steve Owen Tiva till last. Oh, yeah. I just want I just want to talk about Raw forever. <laughs> which I'm obsessed with everything about this plot line. Just so many you know somebody went to that restaurant as well. Oh yeah, yeah. And like like I I've been to iterations of that restaurant. Um I mm-hmm. went to one in borough called turnips which was like i beg your fuck what it was actually really good um which is why i think the ladies were being a bit small-minded by just automatically dismissing raw food. i don't know am i showing myself as like a pretentious um foodie here um but um just so many amazing samantha lines i'd like him to uh, to amuse my bouche <laughs> I'm gonna need a napkin the to dry off my cold, seat. But the way- um, yes, that was my favorite. Yes. <laughs> so, do you want to do that one again, but clean without me talking over the top of it? Okay. I'm gonna need a napkin to dry off my seat. <laughs> yes, that was the best one. She's flooded her basement, Ginger Minge style. Um. Oh, I loved it so much, and I just love. I love her confidence, which is I'm sleeping with that hot wage tonight. He doesn't know it yet. Yeah. I'm like. Oh, I wish. I don't think I've ever entered an establishment with that level of certainty. Um, <laughs> exactly, I need yeah. someone there that will make a man come as soon as he sees me. And then, she, and then the, the shop assistant's like, "Got it." <laughs> Just doesn't bat an eyelid. Um, I think my favourite moment is when that other woman, Samantha's main competitor. So Samantha in this, <laughs> Samantha realizes just to remind listeners. 
Um, but the reason this restaurant is popular is not because of the raw vegan food, but because of the hot waiter. <laughs> and she's in competition with all these other women who are suffering through these disgusting, like, lemongrass shots and, like... Mushroom tea. Mushroom Definitely tea. Mushroom tea. <laughs> um, and it mm. comes down to Samantha and one other very stunning, striking woman. Um, who has very transsexual energy. I loved oh, her. Mm, there was something, mm, something a little bit drag about her. Like, yeah, just really like very stuff. But I know what you mean. Yeah, very striking. Um, and then Samantha like marches over to her and is like, "Look, I'll buy you dinner if you just if you give me this off. one." And the woman looks like she's going to retaliate, and then she's just like, "Ugh, okay." <laughs> which, which I really enjoyed. you have no idea who you're dealing with, as Samantha says. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she did. Maybe the other woman was like, and from across the bar, I saw her, Samantha <laughs> Jones, the most legendary shagger in all of Manhattan, <laughs> and I would win. No, I wouldn't. No, Good night. <laughs> I'm going home. What, what was it? Key lime custard. Key lime custard. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Although quite hard to make vegan. Custard is not an easy one to make without eggs. Yeah, so, and then maybe. Miranda and Carrie were talking about ravioli. Vegan, dairy-free mm-hmm. ravioli. And I was like, how did they make ravioli without cooking anything? Because you would have to cook <laughs> dough. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Ravioli. How would you make pasta? Now, there's one for the chefs. We would like Jewish people and chefs to DM us, please. How would you make raw, uncooked ravioli? Is it possible? Although, nothing served above 118 degrees. So possibly could... No, because you have to boil pasta. Yeah, so it would have to be above 100... Well, Fahrenheit, whatever Fahrenheit is. Um... Oh. Um, um, mm. What was I going to say? Yeah, and then, so Samantha and Smith, Smith Jared spend all night having sex, which is like possibly, that was possibly one of the most explicit sex scenes that has been in Sex in the City when it suddenly came on. I was like, oh, wow, mm. like this is everything. Um, Matt Max was quite confused by a couple of them. And, <laughs> the, and to be honest, yeah. <laughs> the, the, when they're like bum to bum and she's like sort of got her bum in the air, and then he's and sitting he sort on her of bum. sat on her. Yeah, yeah. That was the one. That was the one where Max was like, "Huh? How does that work?" Um, I was going to say as well. This is the first time they they kind of make a point of there there are condom wrappers everywhere, and then yes. Samantha has one stuck to her arm. I thought that was interesting. Mm. And I suspect it's because they use the word "raw," which oh. obviously has yeah, double connotation, and so I think. You know that was a somebody at HBO was like we can't mm. suggest. Although it's interesting how far we've come in four years because of course in season two Samantha kind of admits she doesn't always use condoms mm. when oh no because hang on I'm thinking about when she goes for her SDI test and she says yes yes to lambskin and latex condoms yes yes. Um, so um, I wonder if it was purely because they'd used the word raw. So they had to make doubly sure. I bet you're right. Um, I bet that's it. And that's, I think that's important. I think yeah. this, this was an age, we were immediately post HIV and AIDS. Um, the show is was created by a gay man. It was executive produced and directed, written by gay men. You know, this was years before prep. It was, prep was a dream. Prep mm. was a dream that did not exist back then. So, you know, it would have been, you know, don't get me wrong, I, I think that gay men have been much more switched on about condom use for years. And I know a lot of straight people, even when I was at college, straight men and straight women were just like, oh, they don't really use condoms, they're on the pill. And I'm like, mm. 
Well, that'd be a fucking luxury, wouldn't it? Yeah. But um, no, I think, yes, well done. So sex message, well done. Not raw. Raw food, not raw sex. <laughs> that, there's my new slogan, I guess. <laughs> um, but I do love, and I do, I love, Smith Jared is such an interesting creation. And he's a very slow burn character. He's really interesting. Um, the actor is obviously called... Jason Lewis. Jason Lewis. He, can, he gives a subtle performance. Mm. I, I'm going to say that I think it's deliberate. <laughs> um, you know, he's not trying the way that Burger is trying, like yeah. that way. And and so he's a very sort of interestingly chill foil for Samantha. Yeah. And I look forward to getting to know him. Um let's let's wind up with Miranda, Steve O, Tiva, <laughs> and poor little Magda. Some, she did not mean to sit on the remark. Some things and like yet, a broken Tivo can be repaired. Others, like a broken heart, are a little more complicated. Oh. Now, you see, my heart goes out to Miranda on this because I can maintain vague sanity in public places if I'm allowed to have full-scale emotional breakdowns when household appliances don't work. Oh, God, yeah. Like, that's that's where I channel a lot of my insanity, which (laughs) is, like, why isn't the Christmas tree coming on? Why is the toaster inexplicably just burning one side of the toast? (laughs) (laughs) And I get really, really cross about those things. So I can understand why Miranda, who has to pretend to be a civil human being all day long, why she has a full-on breakdown when Jules and Mimi gets erased. (laughs) Um, Which really brings me to the point, which is all I really wanted to talk about, which is Jules and Mimi, which is one of my all-time favourite fake shows within a show. So can I just say, if Jules and Mimi was real, I would fully watch it. (laughs) Yeah, I still would Although, do you know what, and I still can't forgive it That this is a show that's meant to be set in London Oh Where they've not run it past a native English English person, have they? Yeah Because we do not have problems with our heat We have problems with our heating And also, Miranda says he's a black guy from Brixton She's a white woman from Hampstead Heath Which... You would say Hampstead. Like, I was a bit like, does she yeah. live in the bushes or, like, in, <laughs> in the pergola? It's her and George Michael in <laughs> yeah. 2003. And also, those actors are American. Like, when she's... Yes. When so she... I just, I just wish... All I can think is that some one of their writers had spent time in the UK and maybe watched an episode of Cold Feet. Or something like that, Yeah. Yeah. Something like, because weirdly, because it also looks like an American TV show. It doesn't look, when you think that this was airing at the same time as Spaced. Yeah. Like Spaced looks thoroughly English. If you cut Spaced down the middle, it bleeds English comedy. Weird, surreal, cerebral genius. Yeah. Whereas Jules and Mimi looks like Will and Grace. So it's got that kind of American gloss kind of. And also there's something very specific to British sitcoms of, in particular of a certain time where like the indoor quality when they're inside are clearly on like a set or a sound stage mm-hmm. is quite crisp and then when they go like outside for like a garden scene it's like you're watching something from like the 1970s <laughs> I don't know I don't know why like do you know what I mean like it's really bizarre I really noticed mm. it in um like keeping up appearances whenever she's like trimming her hydrangeas or whatever it's like really grainy <laughs> and weird um but yeah I love oh, that's so depressing that's that was yeah <laughs> I got I wish we'd had Jules and Mimi I would have lived I mean I'm not I'm not sure the 
it feels like the divide between Hampstead and Brixton is something they've Googled. So they've Googled posh part London. Poor part London. It's very obvious. Of course, now, in 2023, Brixton, about as gentrified as London can get, which which is a real shame. I think they should do, they should do, oh my God, and I'm just like that. There should be a joke about a reboot of Jules, of Jules and Mimi. And Mimi. <laughs> like Miranda gets really excited because they've rebooted Jules and Mimi as Mimi and Jules for the 23rd century. And it's about how Mimi inadvertently gentrified Brixton oh my by God. opening her hat shop in Brixton. <laughs> oh my God. And the two, and Idris Elba and Kristen Scott Thomas could guest star as Jules and Mimi in the. <gasps> <laughs> Phoebe Waller Bridge. Phoebe, Phoebe Waller Bridge and Idris Elba. <laughs> That'd be, I mean, again, I would fully watch that show. Um, mm-hmm. I think I loved it as well because I have a real affinity with, I do like a trashy like BBC drama or sitcom. Um, mm-hmm. I love a bit of, have you heard of Death in Paradise? I have, Dylan. <laughs> I love I'm, a bit of Death in Paradise. I don't know Paradise. where this is going, but. <laughs> For a, not so much now, but it used to be my like calming down show. And it's just, I know it's trash, but like, that's my Jules and Mimi, I think. <laughs> What's my Jules and Mimi? Obviously, as somebody who appeared in seven episodes of Holby City, oh, know, yes. I'm not going to speak ill of Death in Paradise. <laughs> um, my So what is my weirdest, most unexpected TV moment? I tell you what, The Apprentice. Oh, wow. 12 years that show has been on TV and I still cannot get enough. <laughs> I will watch it. And it's, do you know what it is? It's the formula. Yeah. Which is, I, I think I love anything that has it, which is why, I mean, I watched all 23 seasons of America's Next Top Model. I love, you know, I've, I'm a very thinky person. So if a TV show allows me to completely switch my brain off, yeah. that gives me an hour, an hour where I'm not haunted by the thoughts in my head. Totally. Totally. I mean, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, as we said before, I mean, this is product placement pretty, pretty blatantly. But as mm-hmm. always, Cynthia Nixon gives it her all. And it's just so entertaining when like she's on the phone and she's like, you told me to do that already. What is wrong with you to the people trying to fix it? <laughs> like, Cynthia Nixon acting to nothing yeah, is better literally. than most people acting with other people. Um, and as well, it's, it's fair. She had a big episode last week. It yeah. was Charlotte and Samantha's turn. They needed something to do this week, so... So there we are. So why is it always something? Well, for narrative terms, it would be a very boring TV show <laughs> if there were not obstacles that had to be overcome. You can imagine just in season one, and then I met a really nice man, and we got married. <laughs> and it was fine. Bum, um, bum, bum, bum. And that's part of the problem in, like, the first movie. Well, that there's no obstacles. Yeah, but, but then they create... Like, I feel like they were really struggling to find obstacles. In like the first movies, so they were like, "Let's have." Big it's, yeah, I would say I'd say it's even worse in the second one. To be perfectly honest, yeah. Although, again, that's the least of its troubles. But um. But yeah, I was thinking like, for me, often there actually isn't always something, and it's usually a lot of the time it's fine. But that's because I'm yeah. not in an H a fictional character in an HBO show. So, I think <laughs> for me, the the notion that for love to be valid it had to have obstacles was part of a problem for me in my 20s which was if it came too easily I was suspicious of it and and I think actually I really wanted the drama and and I met some really nice guys in my 20s where because there weren't any obstacles it felt like it was moving too fast and I panicked and bolted a little bit whereas as I moved into my 30s 
again, the guys that I've dated, it's just been so easy mm. because I've gotten really good at weeding out guys who are going to sprinkle obstacles in your path. Because I think sometimes if a partner is conjuring these obstacles, you know, like, oh, I can't introduce to my parents because they don't like trans people. You know, oh, my my friends don't like you because you're rich and they're not. You. Mm. It's just, oh, fuck off then. Just fuck off. No one <laughs> has time for this drama. Like, <laughs> like thank you, next. And, and yeah, it can be frustrating when these problems reveal themselves, you know, but it's kind of... You just work through it. Hmm. You know, why is it always something? Well, well, welcome to relationships. There's always going to be negotiations, whether it's with your family or your friends or with your partners. Every, there's always going to be some sort of negotiation, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. So just deal with it, Caroline. <laughs> just deal with it and get drunk and put your boobs on a table. Have a frozen margarita. Fall out of a cab. It'll all be fine. <laughs> it's all going to be fine. Next week is a really boring episode. I'm warning you now, everyone. <laughs> Next week, literally, a sound machine dominates the plot. So the why sex, is it always something? The Sex in the City episode is boring. Our episode is not going to be boring. Oh, yeah, we're going <laughs> to slap. We are somehow, Dylan and I, are going to make a Sharper Images sound machine. Amazing. We're going to make frog noises at each other. It's, it's, it's going to be really good. Please don't stop listening to our podcast. Until next week, stay safe. And um, don't spill salt on your bed sheets because it's a bad luck. Bye. Bye for now. Bye. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 